This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihew from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, welcome everybody. This is episode 14 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Tucker Merrihew. I'm here with my co-host in our virtual studio, Steve Nassar. What's happening, Steve? Tucker, it is good to be back on the show. Not yeah. much. How about yourself? You know, I'm excited for this week's show. We've got a great guest, but before we dive into that, a couple things of note this week that so you sent me an email the other day that put me on notice for this, that our lovely mayor decided that he's not going to run for re-election thought that was kind of an interesting little piece of news considering how many nice things I've said about him lately on the podcast. <laughs> I think you can single-handedly take credit for that, Tucker. Yeah, <laughs> what do you think? I don't know about that, but maybe he was listening, maybe he wasn't. But it definitely seems a little strange that he was full bore to go into the re-election season as uh, wanting to run for mayor again, and then all of a sudden he decided that it wasn't for him. I don't know what the reason is exactly, but that teardown tax definitely irritated a lot of folks. And either A, there's some scandal brewing Brewing, and maybe somebody that was in the opposition of that found that or, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. But I, I must say, I smile a little bit to know that he's not going to be trying to run our city uh, with uh, ridiculous policies like that. But hey, that's or maybe politics. maybe time won't tell. Maybe because he's <laughs> walked away from being the mayor, the scandal won't come out. Yeah, right. That's, uh, <laughs> hard to guess. A lot, hard to was, know a lot of guessing, but interesting that was, nonetheless. That was probably the ultimatum, but I won't dwell on that too much. But other than that, this week has been a pretty exciting week for us, and it, and it ties in really cool to the show. We're actually in the beginning stages of starting our own investment fund. You know, we've got a lot of private money that we put to use in my business, but we're going to actually start a fund that's not geared so much around the redevelopment side of the business, which is what we, you know, fixate on for the most part. But we're going to be able to kind of expand into a, a lot more buy and hold type stuff and buy, hold and redevelop down the road with this fund. So I actually met with our attorney this morning and was getting a lot of the paperwork in order for it. So it ties in nicely to our guests and what we're going to be talking about here for the company that he works for. So I'll toss it over to you. You can give us anything of note that's going on with you, Steve, and then I'll let you introduce our guest. Yeah. So I'll just be quick. A couple of things, both on the personal broker side, had an interesting experience here in the last week where a uh, buyer client that we've been working with showed probably 10 houses, wrote a couple different offers, None of them got accepted, lost to some multiple offer situations. We got an email late last week, and this is an email that I'm sure every other agent out there can relate to. The buyer thanked us for our help and says, I'm in contract <laughs> and <laughs> in escrow pending on a property with another agent. And of course, you know, you, you sit up straight and you look at your computer and you're like, what in the world is going on here? We also happen to have an exclusive buyer agreement with them and they knew we had this. So that was an interesting element going on there. You know, the positive is we did have that exclusive buyer agreement. And in these situations, what usually inevitably happens, and it did in this, I reminded them that we were in that agreement. I said, look, I'm not going to rock the boat with your transaction. Just put me in touch with your broker who probably didn't know about this contract. I will make it right. I'll get a referral fee out of them and we'll let you move forward with your transaction. And, and ultimately, that's what happened. But it's just an interesting story of what happened in the week. And it's also a good reminder about why it's to our benefit as brokers to get that exclusive buyer agreement when it makes sense in the transaction to do. And 
There's a lot of different schools of thought about that. You know, some brokers take the extreme end and say, I will not show one house without it. Others say, I never ask for it because I feel like I could lose clients that way. Or if they don't want to work with me, then why should they? I disagree with that statement because in this case, they they didn't have any problem with us. I think they just stumbled across a house and a broker and made some poor decisions about how to how to pursue it there with their blinders on for that house. But anyways, it was a interesting story. On the brokerage side, we had an interesting couple weeks where we rolled out all of our new marketing. We have beautiful new signage that's going to be hitting the streets. I think you guys will be seeing it here really, really soon. We've got directionals. We've got yard signs. We've got new A-frames. We've got some yard signs that are reflective at night. They're very cutting edge looking. They how they reflect headlights and other type of lights at night. And then we also rolled out our marketing platform. We've talked about this a couple times on the show, but now any one of Premier Property Group's brokers with about 45 seconds on our marketing platform, which is uh, marketingppg.com, can create just some of the most cutting edge marketing. They engage it. Our backend system and staff sends out coordinate the timing of the various providers to go out to the property, can engage anything from just photography and a flyer to photography, flyer, virtual tour, along with a video and drone flyover and voiceover, 3D. It's really, really, really cool stuff. If anybody wants to see the caliber of marketing that's able to create, check out ppgtours.com. That's where you can kind of see the finished product showcased. That's what I've got. Man, you got a lot going on. I, I will say I applaud you for dealing with that delicate situation as well as you did. That could definitely end badly. I know I would be highly irritated and I'm sure our guest would be too if he worked with somebody for a long time the, trying to get a loan and they said, oh, by the way, I called so-and-so over at another place and they're going to give me a loan now that you put all this time and energy into me. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's tough to say whether or not people are that dense or whether or not they just think they can get away with it. And I guess the verdict's out until you can figure that out on this one. But, you know, I've got a saying in my side of the business, and that is that buyers are liars and so are sellers. <laughs> so we'll see. Verdict's out. I'll let you decide whether or not they intended to do it or not. But enough about me and uh, and you, though. Why don't you uh, introduce our guest? He's been sitting here patiently waiting, listening to us jabber. Yeah, so I'm excited to have with us today Ian Heimbegner. He wears a couple different hats, and my team works very closely with him, with a lot of our clients. To give you a little backstory, we do quite a bit of foreclosure business, and there's a few different mechanisms that we get that, but basically, we've got clients coming to us and want help with foreclosures. Now, the nature of foreclosures is kind of unique. It's almost kind of one of those things that gets people in the door. I don't know what it is, but buyers out there just love the idea of a distressed situation that they can come out ahead on. And by getting them in with that, what we've also found is 90% of the time, they really don't want a foreclosure. Once we start peeling back the layers and explaining to them the condition of the property that they're going to get and all the complexities of the process and not being able to negotiate repairs and all the other baggage that comes with a foreclosure, about 90% of the time, they end up kind of peeling off. Well, Ian is here because there's that 10% that doesn't, right? And so we wanted a resource where we could say, okay, you do want a foreclosure, and we have that option for you. We want to introduce you to a partner that we can work closely with who isn't competing with us. He's going to help you go to the auctions, find those houses, find those wholesale opportunities, and get you that deal if that's truly what you want. 
He can also, and this is where he wears a couple different hats, he can also help you with the financing on that. And then simultaneously, sometimes, and we've done this a few times with Ian, sometimes we're both working with him at the same time. Once in a while, we just send him to Ian and they only want Ian, right? They only want that auction deal. Other times, you know, the 90% of the time we spin them off and obviously Ian's not involved in those. But then there's also those times where we set them up on a search. We're working with them on listed properties. Ian's working with them at the auctions and whatever pops, pops and, and one of us is happy. So I'd like to go ahead and introduce Ian now and have him just kind of go into a little bit more about what we do with him. And I mean, let's start with what is your typical client look like, Ian, and, and what are they trying to do? Well, Steve and Tucker, first, thank you so much for having me on your show. I appreciate that. I, I love talking real estate all the time. And so uh, this gives me another forum to do that in. And, and I know you guys do too. So it's, it's great to be a part of such a great group in this show. My ideal client is definitely one, as you said, foreclosure auction. For me, it's auction is kind of the buzzword that gets people in the door, but it's really kind of the leader to off-market properties or things that are not on MLS that are going around. And that's really my interest in most of my deals. So that's kind of the segue to it. My ideal client is someone who understands investments, treats real estate as an investment more so than a lifestyle. And all real estate is somewhat of an investment, but it's really that type of individual who has really seen this as an investment and is not really interested in the lifestyle component of it. Investment may give them the lifestyle they want, but it's a little different than buying your own home. Sure. How much regard. money do they have to have to even come sit at Ian's table? They need to have 20% down to play the game. That's 20% down of whatever they're going to purchase. Now, okay. just to clarify, Steve, for, for our listeners. So, you know, when Ian's talking about providing opportunities to people that you pass his way or other, other potential clients that are either auction-related foreclosures or other off-market wholesale inventory, he's not competing with you per se because he's providing the bridge to access inventory that's not on the RMLS, which is basically your world, Steve. So he's providing an additional service that gives access to another world of real estate not the retail-ready real estate, but the stuff that potentially needs some work, needs some redevelopment done to it, needs some renovation, whatever it may be. It's right. not ready for the retail market in present condition most of the time. Exactly. Correct. And I'm running them through and they're, they're learning the process and they may actually just return to Steve after they come to me <laughs> just because once they find out all the work and the risk and and all this, you know, it's so much different than any other kind of transaction they might have done. Even though they want to get investment, sometimes they're just really not ready and, and they're better off finding that deal or, or Steve's team may find them that deal in MLS that, you know, there's few of them in this market, but they still pop on there here and there. And so, and, and they like that transaction better to close an escrow and everything like that. Yeah. Cause it can be, you know, we get a lot of people that obviously we have a real estate investment side to our business. We do a lot of education for other real estate investors around the country. And you know, the reason why everybody's so interested in foreclosure, Steve, is obviously because that's the American dream, right? You've got this flip this house shows, you've got everybody making big money flipping houses. So, you know, everybody wants a piece of that game until a lot of times they get into that game and they realize that it's not so glamorous and there's a lot of transactional costs, there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of brain damage and headaches and, and problems that you got to deal with. And so, you know, I think when a lot of people get, you know, up their eyeballs and that, they say, you know what, maybe I'll call Steve and we'll look for a more retail ready home for our first buy 
And then as time goes on, they get more familiar with real estate and how everything works. Then they go back to Ian and say, you know what, we're ready for the investment side of the business and not the lifestyle side that, that you know, Steve would more service. And here's what, here's another thing that's interesting that we kind of alluded to, but I'm just going to come out and say it. The reason we work so well with Ian is we go after the exact opposite market, right? He said he wants the pure investor that's not looking for the house to live in, in many cases, or if they're going to live in it, it's more from a strategic investment standpoint. Conversely, our ideal buyer is owner-occupied and gets emotionally attached, right? In this market here and now today, with the bidding wars that are going on and the multiple offers and the, the tight inventory, if we as a team, me and my team, are working with somebody who's looking for that down and dirty deal. We're going to show a lot of houses and we're going to spend a lot of time and it's going to be incredibly inefficient for us. So it's a very natural fit for us to have Ian as that person that we can bounce those ones to and not have to just hang up the phone on them and say, I'm sorry, we can't help you. Right, exactly. It's a great resource for you to be able to offer. So you know that kind of gets us to the next step. And this is kind of the part of the business that I think everybody thinks is like a big black box, right? The auction, right? What goes on down at the auction? You know, I used to bid down there back in 2010, 2011, 2012. And it was a lot different, you know, back then than it is now in a lot of cases. You know, back then you had the usual suspects, I called them. Everybody that lined up every day and did the dollar over routine until somebody got sick of it. And then they finally, you know, maybe they paid somebody off on the side to quit bidding or whatever happened. That was the back in the day stuff, right? Now, you know, with the advent of, you know, a large company that came into the Portland area here and they started doing some, it was like a bidding service that they allowed people at home to bid through them. That changed the entire dynamic of the auction game. And it put a lot of the usual suspects out of business because business as usual didn't function as business as usual. And so at that point is when I kind of takes a full time effort to be able to be effective down at the auction at that point. And so that's the point when I decided to take my business out of there. But Ian, why don't you kind of explain to our listeners, how does the auction process work? It's very you know overwhelming and, and a little bit scary because you've got big checks. You got lots of personalities, lots of egos. What what goes on down there? Yeah, ideally you want to have a team. So it's, you know, I don't always recommend going in it alone just because even if at some point you become educated enough in the system and you're like, yes, I've kind of figured it out. There are just so many pitfalls that can happen. And also just in getting to know that network further and that can help you understand what that whole network that you're talking about is, which is a little bit more of the regular players and everything else that can actually work towards your advantage. So you just want someone that we're working in this all the time and we've built those relationships. In the end, it's not any different than we don't really do real estate, right? We have relationships and it's the same thing down there. So you're part of the team is really joining that team as an easier way to access and to build relationships in that world. So we're going down to um, as far as the auction is one, you have to be prepared to pay, obviously, cash at the courthouse steps or in the sheriff's office. That's number one. But you have to get the cash. You have to make sure it's there. You have to watch that the postings are still there. They get postponed. They get canceled. They get delayed, you know, where you even get to bid on a property. When you yep. say cash, I mean, most of the guys show up down there with cashier's checks, usually in donations. Right. You got 10000 100000 and it, it can be a bit of a Correct. pain in the you-know-what to go to the bank, because I've done this many times. You go to the bank, you say, oh, yes. I need 18 cashier's checks and all these denominations, 
and they look at you like you're crazy, right? You know, and so <laughs> right. that, that in itself is a and huge pain in the butt. It is. I always say it's funny when you can do all this research and get through it, and that simple logistic is what ties most people up in the end, unless they get lucky on their first time or something and it happens to work smoothly, but that's very rare. That's where Veristone can come and help. We do have an auction service and provide all the money once you're pre-approved so you don't have to worry about that and provide runners for you and everything to the auction. Um, you can still go to the auction and bid, but you don't have to worry about that. Even if you have cash, we can bring in cash ourselves and then you settle up the next day. Um, and so we just help make the systems a little bit easier for you. Quick question, Ian. So yeah. it's auction day, right? Uh -huh. And Ian's heading down there. Do you know what houses are on the market that day or on the auction I block? I do. I do. Or my associates, my team does. How far in advance of that day did you know them? We've known pretty far in advance, but we may have not have known the opening bid. Mm -hmm. The opening bid is really what we're all waiting for. We have an idea of what it can be, but we're hoping for discounted bids and, and other things. So the auction most, especially on the trustee side, everything happens within the last 24 and really the last 12 hours. So it makes it a real frantic, hectic pace when you're finding opening bid. Maybe that determines whether you're inspecting the property and on all these other things where we're you know, um, we're running title checks on stuff. Just now they're not guaranteed title checks, but we're just looking for anything that might be uh-oh later that goes through. So that's a, the whole process that we take care of during that, during that final hours leading up to the auction. And Have that's you had why, a runner go uh, out to the house and, and do a site visit? In some cases we do if it's on the real estate side, usually using with, with the brokerage side. And it depends on if you need that sort of help. So I basically decide how savvy you are. If, if you're going to do all the research yourself, I can help train you a little bit and tell you kind of what to do and just provide the money. And there's clients that I have that I really do no research. You know, maybe they, you know, bounce ideas off me because I love to talk real estate and, you know, they want my second opinion or something and they do it all on their own. Others want a little bit more uh, hands off, a little bit more passive and they want to be in there, and those need the team. And yeah, they would pay the team, and they would pay you know buyers, basically a buyer's fee and everything else to have that system run for them. And that helps out a lot because you know back in the day when I was doing it, you know, obviously you need to inspect the properties as best you can. If they've been a short sale listed on the RMLS, you've got pictures to refer to. If it makes it all the way to auction, and for whatever reason the short sale was mismanaged or just not approved, but if it never made it on the RMLS, now you've got a big question mark, right? And you probably got some crazy person hauled up in the house. And, you know, so you're peeking over the fence and you're snapping some photos from the curb. And then you got to yep. run a quick title check, make sure there's not some crazy tax lien or something weird right. uh, going yep. on there that you'll have to deal with down the line. And so it does take a team if you're going to, especially if you're trying to do, you know, you do this one time and you're like, man, that's a lot of work if it's just you. It really <laughs> yeah. does. Like, trust it, me. No. Yeah. yeah. You got to keep watering that garden, you know, it, it, before you start getting fruit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's auction day. You know the house that's on the auction. You've yep. sent someone out there to scope it out. You feel good mm -hmm. about it. So talk to us about how the bidding starts. So when you go to bid, you, you can't just go down there and bid. You have to register to bid. So you can go and watch all day long, but you actually have to prove that you have the funds to be able to purchase the property to even be able to bid. So that's what happens first. You got to get there on time. If you have to go through security, you got to put that in there too. Um, I've missed bid just because I got stuck in security behind the jury 
that was going in or something all at the same time. And it took me longer and they started the bidding before I even got through security. So it's that kind of like, I always say we do all this very high uh, analytical stuff. And then it really comes down to this very quick, just getting through the logistics of the basic stuff, getting there on time, getting registered, seeing who might be there, seeing who's the competitors that might be there. Am I dealing with one other bidder? Am I dealing with nine other bidders? And that's going to kind of let you know usually where, how high that property is going to go. And how, how, you know, that sort of thing. So that that's what we're doing down there. It's just gauging to see if we're going to have a chance to get this property at a reasonable price. So you're looking you, at all the, the usual suspects as you show up saying, I wonder who's going after which property. But it becomes very obvious as soon as the bidding starts then, of course. Correct. correct. Do you usually have a, a high bid in mind or you've had that conversation with the client you're working with? Yeah. They'll decide. I let them do their comfort zone, how much they want to be involved. You know, some of my clients just say, hey, and you tell me what the high bid is. And others are there. Actually, they're the ones doing the bidding. I'm just bringing the money for them or a runner's bringing the money for them. And they're actually doing the bidding and they can decide how much they want to go to. But yeah, I, most people need to have in mind, you don't want to get carried away emotionally in a process like this. And you can easily. Okay. I've seen it, you know, yeah. especially if you're a first time bidder or you're going after a property that's down the street that you want to buy and renovate. And, mm-hmm. you know, before you know it, you're up 20, 25 grand over what you said you were going to pay initially because you can get caught up in the excitement of it there. You know, it gets a little yeah, crazy. And you're kind of weighing that maximum bid on how much information you have. Right. You know, we may not get into the house. So I'm going to be a little bit more conservative if I've never got in and you know, now I have a line item that I might have to evict people or my clients will be. And that's going to be a certain cost that I'm going to put on a line item. That's a part of my basically my rehab and whatever may be cost to bring it up to market or make it into a rental or whatever that is. So you're weighing all those things to and risk. And then, you know, how clean that title is and, and everything else. If it seems like, uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll see something I can't quite confirm. Well, I'm going to bid a little lower on that. So is it an actual paddle process? <laughs> I have not been to the auction. Let me just be clear here. Well, you so have to come with me, like, Steve. Is it, they say a number. Is there a guy talking really, really fast? I won't try to do it here on the show. <laughs> no, the, the criers, they each have a different personality. It'll depend on if you're at a sheriff's auction or trustee. Uh, trustee, there's just different criers who are there. They each have their own different style, but it's not like the, you know, the PBS auction shows where they're talking <laughs> fast and, and everything else. It's, it's a pretty kind of deliberate process once it gets going. Do you just raise your hand when he says, do I hear this amount or is that how it goes? Yeah, you just, yeah, you just raise your hand and say what your bid is. And, you know, oftentimes they're confirming your name and making sure they have the right bid to the right person. And it's each, each one's different. So you do have to be Careful. I mean, I mean, I hate to say on this logistics, but the criers will be at different points around the courthouse. There's, you know, I've seen people miss them because it's usually here. And for some reason, they're standing on the other side. And so there's all those little quirky things that happen that you you get used to kind of overcoming throughout the process. A lot of my clients will go once or twice and then say, okay, I don't need to go anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if you really want to know your competition, keep saying dollar over, dollar over. Yes. Yes, exactly. That leads me to know, you know, how interested they want to be. Right. So let's say you win the bid, right, for your client. What's the next part of the process? Because this is where it gets a little squirrely. And most people are like, well, geez, this doesn't seem very official, right? But it's the way things work. Maybe walk us through the next part. Well, you'll fill out your receipt. 
uh, basically, which is basically showing that you're the new owner property. There's a lot of legal stuff that I, I won't talk to. You can get a lawyer on that. We'll do all that stuff. Um, but in general is you have right to this property. They have a few outs usually within a certain time period for some reason that they could say we're nullifying this auction for whatever reason. Obviously, if it's a sheriff, there's a rights of redemption that's involved period, which is six months after. So you have control of the property, but you don't have all the rights to the property. I mean, that's another kind of technical thing there. You fill out who you are. I recommend, you know, you can put it in your own name, but most people have an LLC or something, some other entity that they're doing. And then the trustee in, in most cases in this will then get you a copy of your of the deed within a two within a two week period. So you basically hand them a whole bunch of cashier's checks. They give you a little flimsy receipt. And then exactly. for two weeks, you've got nothing to show for it other than that little receipt. That was the part that always got me because it's like, exactly this is it, right? Huh? The little carbon copy thing, like, you know. Uh huh. <laughs> and it runs everything. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's such a different ball game. It, um, it is. And, and that's what can really freak people out that haven't been through this process, don't have a team around them to say, yes, this is how it works because it's all real alone. life monopoly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're all alone, you're like, are you sure this is it? You know, so. <laughs> and, you know, that's the risk and reward version. So I, I take a lot of time just drilling that in to make sure people really want to take that risk because there is good reward. That's why people do it. But it's hard work. You need a team and it is there is risk involved. And so I just want most of the time I'm just trying to make sure that they have that investment mindset. And you're going to make good investments and bad investments. And some are going to kind of do a little better than you thought. And some are going to kind of do not as good as you thought. And it's going to be kind of a, a total package that you're looking for. And that's really what I'm trying to get is that mindset and getting them to there. Because they're coming in, like you said, watching, you know, the latest flip this house, right. you know, TV show. And their excitement and everything is that's how all of them are. Even some of the most savvy ones now, that's how they started with that excitement. So I don't want to crush that excitement. No, no, not at all. At it's all. it's an important factor. Sure they walk that out. Yeah. And having you know a service like you guys is big and allowing them to keep that excitement and not getting caught up in all of the difficult right. little hurdles that you hit by yourself. So I, I agree. You're, the services you provide are worth you know what people pay for them tenfold over because it, it really is an enabler to help people get into this arena that otherwise would not at all. Right, exactly. Talk to us a little bit about wholesale opportunities. What does that sure. term mean to you, and how do you guys navigate those? Wholesale is generally non-listed properties, and it's usually acquisition of property and then a quick turnaround, and hopefully in not taking all the, the profit out of whatever the project might be. So... Usually it's someone has acquired a property. It could be at auction, but it could be from a homeowner, from someone else. And for whatever reason, they don't want to keep it. They don't want to do the project or the rehab. So they're better off selling it off to a rehabber who can take it at that point and finish the rehab. Or there are some people that that's all they do is they're really in property acquisition and getting it out to a market. Which I can tell you is a full-time job in itself. I mean, we have a team yes, of people. That's what we really specialize in is property acquisition. Mm -hmm. When we fill up our bucket, so to speak, and fill our bandwidth as far as capital and resources, okay, it's time to wholesale. So it's it yep. really is a full-time gig being able to consistently source projects that have enough meat on the bone for you to make a profit as a wholesaler, but also for the person who's going to do the work to have enough reward to make it worth it. 
And so yes. it's, it's a challenge. It's like finding needles in a haystack and, and some people get really good at it and others, you know, employ the services of people like myself or you guys to help them find yep. those types of deals. And everyone's got a different philosophy in that. You know, a lot of them are 80, 20, meaning they're going to wholesale 80% of them and only keep 20, about 20% to, to, to go throughout the whole project. And other companies are reverse of that. They're keeping mm -hmm. about 80% and they're getting rid of 20% because based purely off of resources, whether that's financial or whether that's crews that, that, that they're doing. And so one of the things that because of the position where I am of having the acquisition portion and the finance portion, a lot of these have to happen very quickly because it behooves the seller to do that and the buyers. And that's usually because it gets rid of a lot of costs and other things involved. And so I become a little bit of a nice setting point to help get those and connect those people together. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because they can be financed and you know, most of the people I'm presenting it to are already ready to go. And that's what, when you're a wholesaler, that's really what you want is I want them ready to go. Either they have their own cash or they have their own hard, hard money source. And it's going to happen in a matter of days. Yeah. The wholesale market, it moves with fast cash. It doesn't move yeah. with slow financing. And so if you want to play that game, you either have to have a war chest of your own cash or you need to be able to utilize a service or a lender like yourself that understands it, that's savvy enough to be able to help them and also fund them in a very timely manner for them to be able to play in that game. Correct. And that's what we do. We speed and creativity with what we do as far on the financing. Yeah, let's talk about that. Ian, that's a nice natural segue into the finance component that you offer. So obviously, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you first were more in the trenches doing the auctions and then somewhere along the right. way you said, hey, you know, it makes sense to also offer a service that can help people fund these transactions, right? Yep, correct. So explain the finance opportunities that you offer. What's the typical LTV allowed? What are the terms and costs, et cetera? Sure. I'll do a little bit of that and then and I won't go into too much detail. People can contact me if you can have their contact information and talk about exact terms and, and that sort of thing. But I'll kind of go broadly over the programs. We offer uh, bridge loans with private fund capital. So these are not uh, federally regulated. We're not traditional loans. Any of that through Veristone Capital, Veristone Mortgage here in Portland, Oregon. For a real estate agent, you really want to keep this investor client. Let's say it's one of yours, Steve, maybe it's a, a buddy of yours. And you say, yeah, I want to kind of keep the relationship and work through this one, Ian, but I just want to make sure they're ready to go. You would send it to me to get pre-approved, just like you would a first-time home buyer with a lender. And we'd get them pre-approved to make sure that they're able to do what they want to do, which is acquire property. And they need 20% down to be able to do that, just like a regular loan. All of our loans are all the same interest rate. They're 12%, which is 1% a month. It's really interest-only payments. Which I can attest to the fact that that's actually a pretty competitive rate in the in the private money world, in the hard money world. Um, you're definitely on the lower end, that's for sure. And they need to have a way to pop it out, right, to be able to fund it. Is most of them, most of the time, I mean, that is just a conventional financing of some sort if they're going to keep the property or just selling it. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, you have to have an exit plan, and that's where I kind of help and work. So whether that's a rehab and we're going to sell it, maybe they're a contractor who you know wants to rehab it and then go ahead and sell it with you, Steve, and that's what they're going to do. Or they may refinance it once they get it rehabbed. You know, it may be a not financeable right now, 
And so they come in and make it financeable over three or four months. And they're already set up with maybe one of our, you know, uh, conventional lenders who's going to do a cheaper long-term money. And we provide that. So, so a majority of our stuff is just to help get that bridge, but we are going to want to know what that exit plan is because it's not the best interest for them to have our money for more than a year. Yeah. It's, you know, it's short term financing. Yeah. You know, six month notes essentially to be able to take the rough product, convert it to the finished product and either keep it, refinance it as a long term hold or to then sell it to a retail live in buyer, take their money and move on to the next project. Or wholesale it or whatever you're going to yeah, do. Whatever they're yeah. going to do. We'll check on that. We also do fix and flip where we can also finance the construction costs and the rehab costs within the loan as well. Wow. That's very So it's, it's really full service, Ian. I, I, yeah. I've always respected and appreciated that about what you provide the clients we send you. You can just help them find the house. You can just help them finance the house or you can do both, right? Right. I'm really just trying to help them. I'm trying to find out what their goals are. And if I can't even help them find the house or if I feel I'm not the right fit, I can often refer them to other people who might be the right fit. And that's kind of what you're doing, Steve, is you've got these people. They're not fitting directly into your system, but you want the best for them and you still want them to be successful. And that's why you bring me in. And that's I, I work in the same way. I'll see where their goals are and they may not match up directly with what we're doing, but there's probably someone else that does it. They're going after development. I imagine Tucker would be a better choice, you know, to, to satisfy what they need and where their goals are. So it's a lot of listening and just building relationships. And all I do is remove constraints. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic service. You know, it's one of those niches within the industry that's really grown up a lot out of the the real estate collapse of 2007, yes. 2008. And I imagine Veristone has probably grown a lot since then, you know, because we've got a floor under the market and now we have, you know, a stable market to be able to operate in, which is nice for investors. I, I personally like the stable market. I don't like the the ridiculous ramp up markets. And I'm sure you guys get a little nervous when you see that too, because you have to protect your capital and you have to have right. foresight enough to be able to do that. And so it, it's a good market for it. And it's really cool to see services, you know, service providers like you guys grow into what it is that you're able to do now, which is basically a full service operation, which makes investing in real estate so much easier for the average person. It really does. Yes. Ian, are you seeing a lot less foreclosures at these auctions these days than, say, a year ago, or is it just not noticeable? A little bit. There's a little bit less than, than a year ago or so, but they're still coming pretty strong. I don't know. I've been told just on inventory, and this is just hearsay, so I have no confirmation, that we have about a year and a half left of really strong inventory, and then after that, we'll see. So that's uh, foreclosure-related inventory, obviously. Yeah. Now, do Correct. you guys do any bidding at the uh, Portland auctions here or mainly just up in the Washington, Vancouver area? Actually, we do We do mostly, yeah, we're right here in Portland, the Tri-County area. Okay. And we'll go to other auctions depending on if our clients are there. We don't do as much service. We have to work out the logistics portion of it. But if we have a savvy investor that we're partnered with, they buy and bend and and Salem and, and Eugene, and, and we can lend in all those places and help them accomplish their goals. One question I had, and, and I've seen this, at least Oregon here, go through some changes over the last couple of years. We went from non-judicial to judicial, and then last I heard, we've gone back to non-judicial type foreclosures, and that created a bit of a, a lot of people hopping the pond and going up into Washington to do a lot of bidding up there when we became yep. a judicial state. Where are we at now with that and how has that affected things around here? Yeah, it is it is going back to more, you know, non-judicial trustee sales compared to what it was a few years ago. That's good and bad. It's good because 
it's a little bit you, you get at the rights of redemption or out, off the plate um, and people can move quickly and it, you can move product faster, can get back on the market to, you know, Steve's buyer agents. So they have product to sell. So that's kind of a, a nice part for the whole system. And it's about split evenly right now. Okay. It's about 50-50, probably moving higher now towards the non-judicial. Now, what about, well, just to clarify for our listeners, redemption rights. That in itself created a little ugly sub-business of you know people that secure those. I won't dive into it too deeply, but sure. what exactly are redemption rights? It's just the owner's rights to redeem their property back within six months after the foreclosure, the sale at the sheriff's office that was put in really there for the owner in a case they may have been mistreated or something happened and, you know, maybe they weren't notified or they felt they weren't notified. It just gives them an opportunity to get that property back. But what it does do is it basically makes it that you're not 100% free of it and possibly, and that's what we're, what we saw is what you're alluding to is those rights are being bought. The owner may not have the wherewithal or the need to do that. Someone like those rights because then they can start rehabbing that property right away and get it back on the market. Yeah, because it basically holds the buyer in handcuffs in terms of being able to actually resell exactly. the property, which factors in your holding costs and, and the amount of time that you have that capital tied up. And so by being able to secure those redemption rights, obviously you can speed that process up. And there were a lot of people out there hitting the pavement securing those redemption rights, and then they have a marketable piece of paper at that point that they were exactly. monetizing. So it's, it, it was interesting to see the birth of that side of the business yeah. upon it, the chain. You know, whenever there is, you know, how they say, any kind of uh, legislation or any rules put in place, it usually spawns new businesses around those constraints. Yeah, and and, yeah. and that's just kind of the ingenuity of folks out there who's who see, oh, this has totally changed the ball game. We're going to make a business out of this. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I agree. Well, I think we covered some great ground here. I, I, I just wanted to clarify a few things because, like I mentioned before, it is like the big black box. And, and fortunately, yeah. Ian had a lot of really good answers for us. And, and hopefully we kind of cleared up what the process of you know buying a foreclosed property looks like down at the auction, what you've got to deal with. And then, of course, you've got a resource here. We'll make sure to put Ian's contact info in the show notes so everybody who's listening that's interested in getting down to the auction and buying some property, they can feel free to reach out to you. And, you know, hopefully you've got a way to be able to uh, provide them some type of service if they so choose. I want to second that. And actually, I want Ian to say his, his the best phone number for him here on the air. Brokers out there or some of our listeners who actually are investors, if you're looking to go to the auctions and you want to get into these down and dirty foreclosures, Ian is the guy to talk to, can even help you with the finance component of that. Ian, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, Steve, uh, best phone number for me is directly to me. It is 503-780-9246. That's 503-780-9246. And call or text is good. And just allow me a little bit of time to get back as sometimes if I am dealing with auctions in the mornings and and financing, it takes me a little bit till the afternoon to get back to you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ian, for joining us. You've been very informative to our listeners, and I truly appreciate having you as a resource in my quiver. We appreciate you too. Thank you so much for having me, Tucker. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, our pleasure. It was, I think this was a really cool show, so we sure our listeners will thoroughly enjoy it. So, All right, guys. Well, this is uh, episode 14 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We are signing off until next week. See you then. 
Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.